What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is like the 10th time I've tried to do an intro for this. I hate doing intros. They're the only part of this whole podcasting thing that I really dislike. Feels artificial, you know? Just like, there's nobody here. I'm not talking to anybody. Just talking to myself. And it feels weird. Anyways, my guest today is Rodolfo Novak. Rodolfo is the co-founder of CoinKite, the company behind uh, the cold card hardware wallet, the Open Dime, the Block Clock, the forthcoming Block Clock Mini, and a bunch of other cool uh, Bitcoin hardware stuff, much of which is focused on helping people interact with Bitcoin in the most secure manner possible. Um, I've been following uh, Rodolfo on Twitter for a while, always really enjoy his output there. He's in Canada as well, so I kind of resonate with a lot of the, the criticisms that he levies against what's going on in Canada currently. And uh, more than anything, I just admire the work that he and the crew at CoinKite are doing um, to help uh, make it easier for people to interact with Bitcoin uh, securely. And uh, so I thought it was time to invite him on the pod for a discussion. He accepted and uh, we had a great chat. Hope you guys like it. We are live. What's up, brother? Hey. How you doing? Hey, good, man. Yourself? It's kind of weird here. Hang on. I see you on, uh, on Twitter here. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll RT that. There you go. Um, I'm very good. You know, all things considered, um, the state of the world and everything that's going on, uh, <laughs> I can't really complain. That's right. You're in beautiful East Coast there, you know, sea and all that good stuff. I miss the sea. Yeah, man. I'm here unintentionally i'm here because um i got stuck here due to the rona uh ah. you, usually i live in thailand and um so it's but i haven't ha i haven't had a summer in newfoundland for over 10 years so it's been nice to uh enjoy the two months of summer that we get on this glorious island and nice. uh it, it's it's been beautiful like being out in nature and fresh water and you know going on hikes near the ocean and stuff and what part of Generally speaking, what part of the country are you in? Yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in Toronto. All oh, right, right. And what's it been yeah. like there? It's been pretty. It's been pretty. Uh, it's been hot. Yeah, it's been hot, but it's been like the lockdown has been pretty strict there uh, too. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, like it, they they did accomplish ruining most businesses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been uh, it's been interesting. You know, like retail is completely racked. Um, you know, restaurants are starting to reopen our patios, right? So yeah. patios are allowed now in the allowed list. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there's definitely uh, Karens around. Um, but, uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, like, you know, we, it's a fairly sort of, a um, rule following society here. Right. So, so, uh, it hasn't been too hard for, uh, for them to implement this this whole uh, lockdown thing yeah and i guess i mean i don't know if it's a positive or negative i guess it's a positive all things considered but we haven't had the level of social unrest in canada as has been going on in the u.s um during this time so well we have less people right <laughs> well, sure, <laughs> there's like sure. there's like 10 guys in jackets up here you know it's <laughs> <laughs> and like you say i mean for better or for worse canadians are generally more docile right Which, exactly we're still subjects yeah so well let's talk about that right because one of the things that uh, i noticed you commenting mm -hmm. on you know the whole situation in canada and i guess everywhere is pretty fucked right now but uh 
you know, we, we were talking about um, the gun situation, right? Because already there was a less, lib- less, uh, well, I want to say less liberal, but, you know, less free attitude towards guns in Canada. And then there was a, you know, a horrible tragedy in Nova Scotia a number of months back. Um, and that was uh, used as a, a reason to restrict uh, access uh, to and restrict the breadth or uh, firearms in Canada uh, to what I think is now mostly just, you know, rifles used for hunting, right? Nah, those guys, so, you know, as usual, it's just aunties making anti-gun regulation is kind of hilarious, right? They missed everything else. I can still get like a Tavor, so like the Israeli uh, uh, non-full uh, non, uh, auto version uh, of their, their essentially army-issued rifle, uh it's unrestricted really yeah 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 i mean we still have like oh my god i mean like essentially all the stores ran out of all the stuff they missed it's it's hilarious i mean that's good stuff is stupid that's good but i wonder if it's just a matter of time before they get that stuff too i mean so they can't this is fascinating right at least not right now so they amended, uh, they, they created another sort of piece of legislation called the C61 or 71, I can't remember, uh, last year when they still had a majority uh, or the year before. Anyways, when they still had the majority. Um, and uh, so, so they amended a few things to create this environment, the, the legal environment for them to pass this executive order, essentially, right? Ordering council. Um, but, and the way that they did it is, they essentially have to say they either ban by name, which they missed on the previous legislation and they messed up everything, or uh, it has to be a AR-15 variant, right? So, but then it's like the drunk people at some office who decides what's an AR-15 variant, right? So like, dude, there's like shotguns. They're like, oh, AR-15 variant because it looks like it or it has like plastic, black plastic on it, right? Right. Anyways, so so the, the legislation is completely like mind-boggling stupid. Uh, and there is no restrictions on ammo. I think they used, did they use the assault style term in the legislation that they recently? Yeah, uh, I can't remember. They, well, so, you know, because assault rifle is an actual term defined in right. law, right? A few, in a few cases. So they can't use that uh, because that means select fire. Right. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so... So then they, they, yeah, so they, they created this style, but what is this, right? There's no legal definition for it. So it doesn't really mean anything. That's why they can't use that legally. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. The whole thing is just hilarious. And of course, then in the background, you have this 3D printed gun revolution that's ticking along, making, slowly making all this legislation irrelevant. Yeah, it totally is, right? Uh, hang on one second. Hear you well. No, I can't. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny, right? Because if you, if you have, so in Canada, you know, it's a privilege, not a right, right? To have guns and stuff. So that bolt has sale, right? We have no rights to it. If they have a majority government and they manage to sort of figure out uh, the proper compensation and whatever, they could technically like take them all back, but they can't lose the hunter vote, period. Like Canada is like a, a nation of hunters. Right. It's just the hunters in Canada, like a good chunk of them are either lefties or uh, happy to throw the, the rest of the gun owners under the bus to be left alone. 
Yeah. Right. So yeah. there's a history in, in like uh, hunting associations, which are massive uh, to simply sort of like stay out of the fight. Right. Yeah. That's and, what I've noticed. Yeah. And, and since I think like it was the, the first legislation that was meaningful about the stuff, I think it was in the sixties. Uh, they, uh, there's been this mentality of staying out of the spotlight so that nobody tries to legislate guns. Right. So there was never sort of like a push, like a proper push, uh, for, for like gun lobby and all this stuff, but that has changed. Now, now we have like a reasonable org around, right. That's trying to, to fill in that shoe and they're getting a ton of money and they're suing the government. Now it's like, it's becoming fun. We have a Canadian gun lobby now. Like yeah, now we do. Oh, yeah, wow. and it's grassroots, right? Because we don't have gun industry in Canada, right? We have like firearms retailers. We have like Colt Canada, whatever. But these guys are tiny, right? Right, right. Uh, so, so they can't even be pigeonholed as like this evil industry kind of thing, right? It's just, you know, it's it's funny though. Like going back to the, there are a lot of hunters in Canada, and there's a lot of hunters in in Newfoundland where I'm originally from and where I'm staying now, and. Uh, but there's also, as you mentioned, like there's, there seems to be, uh, yes, like a very lefty attitude, but almost like an indifference or an apathy towards um, like freedom, right? Like they would, they would never say that, you know, people, people would never articulate it that way, but they, there is such a, a attitude of, um, nanny state welfare state you know uh acquiescence and and uh to the government in canada and they just kind of there's this attitude that government will take care of everything my protection my freedom my health care my this my that and right. uh you know it's it's i i really don't like seeing it but it's so pervasive here that everywhere anytime you have one of these conversations and now today we're having conversations about the financial crisis and and the Rona and the debt and the deficit and CERB and all this kind of stuff. And it always leads back to that attitude, like, well, the government's going to have to figure something out. So I, I think it's because, you know, traditionally Canada has been a, a massive land to sort of take hold and control, right? Uh, aside from native sort of relations issues from the past and all that stuff, right? But, but you have massive land, not a lot of people, and you have like, you know, a good chunk of the year where it's very hard and remote to maintain things, especially in the past. So, and you had a very sort of like pragmatic government for, for you know, 100 years, right? So uh, it, it was a very sort of center type, like a true center type government, right? So, uh, and most of the population is fairly cohesive around that too. Mm -hmm. uh, so so the, there was this sort of like a, a very practical center right uh they had taxes taxes have been high in canada but they were not that high then they were sort of you know reasonable as if there is you know we can get into the whole tax zero right. or not or theft in a different conversation <laughs> but in regards to canada you, you know there is a lot a large amount of 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 essentially land to maintain by very few people right so the cost of that was higher on the individual uh, and you have the weather issue uh, but there was an understanding that you have natural resources, right? And not a lot of people. So what do you do? You sell natural resources at any cost to the rest of the world, right? Period. Mm. Uh, so much so that uh, Quebec was the biggest asbestos exporter, I think, in the world for a long time. Um, and, and, and that sort of like worked to a certain extent, right? You had uh, 
reasonably functioning country with like okay services and and you know people had spare income to buy a cottage to sort of travel and you know a little bit of that sort of like nordic uh balance that they had there um uh, but but we had this continued encroachment from lefty commie stuff here and the math has stopped adding up right like decades ago completely stopped adding up um and and then you had the, the sort of like the green thing come in and, and remove the main source of revenue to pay for all those socialized services, right? So like, you know, you don't want to sell oil, you don't want to, you know, sell asbestos, you don't want to like, you know, like uh, sell wood or whatever, right? Um, and then they invented this whole universal healthcare, right? Uh, and, and it was very clever because it was a semi-cohesive society they created this around identity, right? So Canadians see themselves as different than Americans because they have free healthcare and a few other things, right? Like a queen on the money and it's, but you know, you go to English speaking places in Canada, it's surprisingly similar to many American places, right? Uh, even though people here don't see or don't think that, right? They, they love to think they're different. Sure. So the more right America goes, the more left Canada goes, it's just sort of like a knee jerk reaction. Uh, so, you know, selfishly, I want like, you know, maybe Trump to lose just so we get like a proper, like a more, at least more center government <laughs> here. <laughs> so, because, it, it, you know, these guys are out of control, man. They they want to tax everybody to death. And, and, and they don't, I mean, they probably understand that the money has to come from somewhere. So they're selling everybody's future here. Yeah. And I know like we both are critical of some of the goings on here politically uh, from time to time on Twitter. but. Do you have a similar kind of perspective and approach to me that this is all pretty much to be expected and it's, it's expected to get worse and there's no real hope of change, obviously changing it from the inside. So we're kind of, you know, we're in the Bitcoin solution, watching this thing and just kind of hoping it doesn't get too bad as it kind of un unwinds. Yeah. I mean, it sucks, right? Because the, the way I look at this, it's like, you have to live somewhere. Right. Right. You know, and I have family, so like, that's not going to, you know, like picking up and moving, you know, if it gets to that extent, I'll do it. I did that. I left Brazil when I was like a teenager and came to Canada by myself. Right. That's, that's where you're originally from. Yeah. Sao Paulo. So I saw like, you know, like uh, what a kleptocracy looks like. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and this current government here is recreating that. It's fascinating to watch. Um, but well, tell, tell, tell me about that if I can for a sec, like, because many of us don't have the perspective of comparison between, you know, a, a devolution or a, a, like a bad, what a bad government looks like, uh, before we just have, you know, cause the status quo, uh, what we default into when we're born into a system appears normal. Right. And those yep. people that come from a different system obviously have a better perspective on, on looking at it objectively. Tell me, you said, you know, it looks like that's what's happening here. What, what kind of process do you think is underway that's similar to what you experienced back in Brazil? To be one of the best canneries <clears throat> in the gold mine for, for this is uh, it's when politicians sort of like get away with like, like money scandals. Right. So there's been, somewhat this tradition here like for some time at least it looked that way to me where you know when they get caught to the the hand in the cookie jar here right uh they will at least lose the next election right i mean like listen politicians going to jail never gonna happen right it does not happen period right those guys 
are the jail system. So, uh, but at least they lose the next election. But what's happening now is we have this government that keeps on getting into this like big scandals, financial scandals, right? Where it's like family, the true, true classic cronyism, right? Like the family of the person works in the company that gets the contracts, all that kind of stuff, right? And for real money. Um, and somehow the message of, you, you know, you have only this option of, of uh, you know, if you vote for the other one, you're Hitler. Uh, even though they're like Canadian conservatives are like, Jesus, they're like socialists comparing to Bernie Sanders. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and then, it, so, so you either vote, vote for the party that's going to give you more pronouns codified in law mm. or, or you're Hitler and you vote for the other party, right. Who, who doesn't necessarily have any real uh, social conservative things, right? It's not like they're going to change abortion laws or, or do anything of meaningful sort of, uh, it's just nonsense talk, right? Like they can't even change those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and most of the population already is resoluted on that anyways. So, so, so they create this dichotomy and they keep on getting voted in. So you have a population that will vote on virtual signaling issues, right? And, 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 sort of like, and keep on breeding this, this culture of kleptocracy, kleptocracy, uh, kleptocracy without, uh, without consequence. That, that's, yeah. that's how you get a, a shitty country. Yeah. And, you know, as you say, with the, the Trudeau thing now, with the We Charity and then the SNC thing, you know, a number of months ago, it, it like people, when I talk to people here, and again, like, I don't, I don't, I don't believe the, in the political process. Like, I don't think that's where a solution is going to come from. But it's hard not to at least be somewhat interested because, as you say, like, you're still living in the make-believe borders of this, this political yep. system. And you want it to function as well as it can, all things considered. But, you know, with someone, with someone like Trudeau, um, you can point out a lot of these things these days. And for two reasons, you know, I think what we get in terms of an attitude from people is for two reasons. One, like you said, like, well, I'm not going to vote for the other guy, which is basically Hitler, right? So it ends up being like, well, I don't really care what he does that's bad because he's my guy, right? Yeah. And, and, there, and, like, and also it's like, well, he's young and he made weed legal, so I love him. You're like, uh, uh, if, yeah. he, if he was involved in a scandal or a fraud or whatever, like, eh, whatever, who cares? Weed is legal. Yeah, exactly. He's legal and he's young and he's handsome and he's like a smooth talker yeah. and, and that's good enough for me. I, I resonate with that. And that's the, that's the level uh, that we've come to as a society for organizing, you know, for, for basically the organizing mechanism for how we, how we interact with one another is like, that's our attitude to how to establish it, which is, you know, crazy to me. And uh, I, I'm, I'm concerned now with the way that Rona has put everything forward, right? Just in terms of the financial distress that nation states are finding themselves in and the, the accompanying social issues that arise from that distress. Um, you know, I'm concerned how things are going to unfold now, which is why, of course, in the community, we talk about citadels and, you know, land and mountain yeah. men, which is the namesake of your, your, your current Twitter handle. Um, mm. Well, what do you think about all that stuff? Like, you know, you're in Toronto. Do you think about getting out of the city at least? Or do you think about other, other countries potentially? Oh, I mean, if it was my, my, my soul, if it was just me who had a say on uh, where we live, I'd be already moved to the country. 
Uh, but still in Canada. Uh, for now. Um, I think... So, so the the main problem is it's a it's like it's a cultural shift where you know like young people shouldn't have a say because they don't produce any value, right? And when you're young, you you don't see it that way. Um, so young people shouldn't have a high salary. Uh, shouldn't like I mean they should if they produce that kind of value, but but what? Like minimum wage laws, the way that they are, and the way we've constructed this idea that everybody has the right to everything, uh, is sort of like eroding any. Well, it already has eroded any hope in sort of like uh, like having a, a fix for this, right? Aside from from the Bitcoin thing, um, but but we do need to play both games, right? You you have to play the political game too. Right, you you have to to still get the least worst uh, where you live uh, uh, to 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 be sort of like in power, right? Because at least you get to save on taxes, um, and then you can reinvest that in whatever you want. You can do charity if you want to save people. You can do whatever you want. It's your money, right? Mm. Um, but but this culture of entitlement uh, is really what's causing a lot of this, and and, and removed uh, uh, any sort of you know, through remediation of it. Um, I think though, the, 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 you know, it's going to come to roost, right? I mean, we're, we're going to, I mean, this, this, the amount of money this guy spent with the, with the economic sort of like disaster that this whole thing caused, it, it, it's not going to add up. Right. And, and it's not going to be your pipe dream of UBI in Canada that's going to that's gonna fix that, right? Because there's not going to be money for UBI in Canada. You know, proponents of UBI, I mean, in other countries, maybe, you know, it's hard to understand. Like, you need to look at how, how they have their, their, their tax sourcing and, and their spending there to, to figure out if that's possible. But, you know, in Canada, we already have a ton of socialized services, right? I mean, health. Um, and education, and, and you have the loans for university and higher education and everything else, um, and it's fairly well funded. Uh, you, you know, like if people understood how much they pay for healthcare here, uh, uh, they would gladly move to a paid a paid system for insurance. Insurance is so much cheaper and better than than what people pay here in taxes for healthcare. Uh, and even if you want to like buy one and pay for somebody else, like a Tom's model, right? Like it's like <laughs> buy one healthcare insurance from this company and support another one, right? Uh, even if you want to do all that, it's still cheaper. But anyways, yes, my, my point is um, the, the idea of providing people a, a universal basic income has to come from a place where you queue all the other socialized services, right? You can't have both. And even with that, I, I doubt the math will add up. Uh, we don't have tax base in this country. Like it, it's very little, right? There, and there isn't the rich, right? As, as they like to put it, to, to take the money from, right? I mean, people are willing to be a tax surf for so long. Um, and, and if you are really rich, right? You already shelter, right? So it, they're not gonna get their hands on the Ministry of Finance uh, uh, savings, right? Right. Trudeau and his family, oh, they're, you know, already sheltered already. everything, <laughs> right? 
Uh, so anyway, so, so we're getting to a point where there is no tax cows anymore for you to milk, right? Uh, and there is no oil for you to make money from because they don't want to sell it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it breaks. Yeah. And the problem is, you know, the, the worse things get, the more people demand of the government for help, right? And now it's at the yep. point where like provinces are in such trouble that their demand. So like, and then what the government does in response to that, in those calls for help is actually uh, misallocate resources further yep. and make all those problems even worse. And then it's just a virtuous cycle to the bottom. And, you know, you mentioned something that, you know, we kind of, we kind of have to simultaneously build and engage in this alternative system and become involved in the political process, even if maybe just on a, on a local scale, because that's what most yep. influences our lives. Do you think, um, you know, especially let's say in the next 10 years, if Bitcoin continues to do its thing, Bitcoiners are more, you know, more well capitalized. Do you see you know, a lot more political engagement from the, the people in the Bitcoin space, you know, because... Oh, yeah. You ha we have to buy all the politicians. That's it. There is no alternative to this, right? Like, that's how the democratic system works. It's, uh, it, it's uh, <laughs> you know... Well, I ask, I ask because a lot of people world. are like, let it, let it burn, right? Like, just I'll be in my citadel somewhere else, let it all mm. go to hell, and then we'll, like, we'll come back or we'll, we'll do our own thing elsewhere. But you think there's going to be a big portion of people that actively so, get involved in the political process. If you want to get, a, uh, if you wanna get a, a taste of the citadel life, I highly recommend uh, uh, moving to Sao Paulo for a little while in Brazil. You, you know, it's already kind of there, right? So... You have essentially like armed buildings, armed armored cars, are you know armed people in malls, right? And 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 you have like the amount of wealth in São Paulo, right? Like it's like you know we don't even have rich people like that in Canada. It, it, you know it's a lot of money there, and it's a lot of people with money, mm -hmm. uh, so much so that they can you know create the whole infrastructure, right? Like you know people's homes have helipads. All the downtown buildings have helipads, right? São Paulo has the biggest traffic for helicopters, I think, in the world. Uh, so, and you also have favelas everywhere. So it's like you create this dichotomy that's like it's unlivable, right? Um, so it's, a, it's not an easy problem, right? But what's interesting to me is you have places like Canada where it's kind of fixable, right? What Canada needs is a good dose of austerity. Right. So you, you clean up the books. Right. And, and, you, and you create a, a system that's a bit closer to millinerism. Right. So you have, you know, you, you have some some government services. Right. That unfortunately, we're not going to be able to sort this out in my generation or my lifetime. Right. Uh, where, you know, you have some army, you have some police, you have some fire department, you know, you have some basic stuff. Right. But it's the basic stuff. Um, and then, you know, privatize everything else. And is it going to be perfect? No. Right. Uh, I think this is one of the, the biggest values out of like most of the differing libertarian sort of philosophies is that we don't have all the answers. Right. Uh, and we don't claim to do so. Right. As opposed to the collectivist sort of side where it's like, I have all the answers. You just have to do this and therefore it's fixed, which is yeah. bullshit. Um, anyway, so, so it's, uh, we, we need to, to clean up the house a bit here. 
Uh, and we have to understand that, oh, you want to be like Norway, right? Yeah, they sell oil, a ton of it. And they, they, you know, it's part of what they do, right? Um, it's like, you know, Sweden and Denmark. Well, they sell guns to everybody in Africa, right? Like, it's like people just create this idea as this greatest sort of mentality, right? Where it's like, it's just kumbaya, but like value has to come from somewhere and it's humans first. Where do you think, you know, this kind of uber liberal attitude in Canada, like, you know, every country has a, a culture, obviously, um, some stronger and more identifiable than others. But like you were just talking about the differences, but like kind of Canada kind of wanting to have their cake and eat it too. Like you want to yeah. be rich and welfare state and offer all this stuff, but you don't want to do the things required to get there. Like at, what do you think, like, where does this come from? Where does this attitude come from? Uh, I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I don't know, but you know, it is illiberal, right? I mean, like all the James Locke liberality of the liberal party is inexistent, right? Uh, they, they really want to control people. Maybe it's because of, of like, sort of like, uh, some sense of cohesion against adversity, right? So, you know, you have the code, you have the, a lot of land, uh, back you know, back in the day. So sort of like they were trying to come together to, to achieve these things. So a more collectivist approach, not collectivist might be a little a stretch here, but you know, a, a more communal approach to things sort of made sense. Um, and then, and then maybe it's just the, the type of people that came because it, it's just kind of weird, right? Because like you had, uh, you had a lot of the temperate people come, right? A lot of the temperance society people came to Canada, so much so that Saskatoon, this, the, the main city in Saskatchewan, uh, they were actually meant to be a dry utopia kind really? of thing for booze. Yeah. So they, they set up like, you know, all these temperate people went there and trying to set that up, right? Like, so we have all this sort of like religious or, or this very religious uh, uh, morality more to the right sort of like uh, uh, immigration here on the very early beginning. Uh, and somehow along the way, it, uh, it moved to a very liberal place. Uh, even in the rural areas in Canada, I mean, you know, some people are religious and they don't want abortion or whatever reasons, but, but none of them are sort of like screaming, we, we have to take it out of the, the system, for example, right? Uh, it's a big sort of, straw man that the left uses in Canada. Uh, and, uh, and then they get a lot of the center vote. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know where this illiberal thing came from uh, here for come like from the left. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's at least partially due to, you know, the reverse of what we see in Bitcoin. And I think we see a lot of uh, behavior change as a result of engaging in or understanding Bitcoin and the, the kind of concepts around Bitcoin, like freedom, like personal responsibility, like individual sovereignty, that kind of force the individual to take ownership and want to reduce dependencies on a great number of things. So right there, you have kind of the lever of, of the money influencing the behavior. And I think the, pro the reverse is happening in most fiat systems. And I think this is, you know, it doesn't totally account for why, you know, one country 
and another country that's both on a fiat standard, one's way more liberal than the other. But I do think it's, uh, it's partially responsible because I think the more that mechanism of, of cohesion and sovereignty that is the money, the more that that's abused, uh, the, the, the more that that kind of cohesion has to move to a social layer. And you have to kind of have more liberal social ideas for that cohesion to be yeah. more intact. Because conservativeness or individual sovereignty is not inherently adversarial, but it's, it's not not adversarial. Like you being right. an individual is... Um, yeah, yeah. Well, but, you know, people who trade don't war, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but but yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it, it makes sense because, you know, I think we had a urbanization of Canada, right, in the last sort of few decades. And, um, you know, what is it, 90, 97 percent of the population lives within 100 kilometers of the border from U.S., right, which is the warmest part of the country, right, is the south of the country. Mm. So you have the majority of the population living in cities and in cities, everything is somewhat socialized or at least like, you know, uh, provided as a service. Um, there is no self-reliance at all in a city, right? So, for example, a, a city person does not understand that you may need a gun against a bear. Let's not get it even into like sort of self-defense with like people, right? But just basic, right? Like you need a gun for a bear. Yeah. Right. Like, and so when they say, why would you need a gun in the house? Well, that could be a bear. Right. Um, and then, you know, for them, like they never had to get together with a whole bunch of other farmers and, and maybe build a road because the government is not there yet. Right. Yeah. Or, or build a bridge and or, or, you know, like put a septic tank so you can have a house that's, you know, far from uh, uh, a setup system of a city. Right um electricity like everything right if you live outside of a city in one way or another in certain for varying degrees you will have to be self-reliant and come up and pay for the solutions yourself mm -hmm. right but in the city like i mean i don't even own my sidewalk for my house in the city right yeah. like three meters in from from the sidewalk into it's into my front yard is city Right. Uh, it, it makes sense because, you know, like you have to sort out all these externalities in a city that are immediate concerns. Right. For example, your house catches on fire. So does the neighbor. Right. So, so they need some ways of, of handling that. But, but that abstracted everything that's sort of any kind of self-reliancy from, from people. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, we have a public school system in Canada that everybody's proud of. Right. And all the teachers are commies. So... <laughs> Kids don't learn economics. Right. So that influences things a bit. But man, you know, it's, it's so true that our environment shapes us. And more importantly, the things that we're forced to take responsibility for, or even that we choose to take responsibility for, shape us as well. But ironically, or surprisingly, so many people walk around just assuming that kind of their perspective is an unconditioned, uninfluenced, objective perspective. And the person that they are is like, is not is irrespective of the environment that they've grown up in and that they're a part of but you know as you were saying like if you had to hunt for your own food if you had to defend yourself if you had to you know uh, whatever like really take self-reliance to an extreme degree let's say you were a mountain man and you're in the mountains or something that those 
actions that you'd have to take to feel comfortable to sustain yourself would shape you. It would shape your values. It would shape your perspective. It would shape a great many things about you. And I think part of the modernity piece of, of the culture that we have uh, in many parts of the world today, where everything has been outsourced, right? So we're, we're so dependent on the systems or on systems that are beyond our control. That has influenced our perspective and our reasoning, uh, you know, to a, a very high degree. And I think that's why we see a lot of the attitude that we've been discussing thus far is because personal responsibility uh, has been completely abdicated in so many ways, yep. you know, like, like healthcare, like your water, like your food, like your protection, like everything. And so, and people think that they're operating in that context still just as objective perspective, but they're not. They're shaped by the, the, by the things that they've let go of responsibility for. And, I, and what I love about the Bitcoin space is that, that taking back that piece of financial sovereignty, which is obviously a big one, is seeping into many different areas of, of, of our lives. And it's causing people to think like, well, what about the dependency I have over there on that? And what about that dependency? And what about that? And what about you know, and it's amazing because the, all of these little changes that people are starting to experience or at the very least consider is changing like who they are as people. And I love digging into this topic of like how Bitcoin changes you because I, I do this show or I do this uh, kind of series where I, it's called Bitcoiners in the Wild, where I just talk to random Bitcoiners that I like meet, hook up with on Twitter and almost without fail, I, the, the conversation winds up with these people telling me like, you know, I got in, before I got into Bitcoin, I was hopeless. I, you know, I was depressed. I didn't see, you know, a way out for the world. I didn't see how it could be turned around. I didn't see my place in it. I wasn't happy, blah, blah, blah. And then as a result, like I got into Bitcoin and maybe I got burned with shit coins a little bit first, but then I found my way to maximalism. And now I'm eating better. I'm treating my body better. I have better relationships. I'm hopeful for the world. I wake up with energy. I'm stacking mad sats, like all of these things. And it's tremendous how it's, it's turning people's lives around. Like, you know, it's, it's such an incredible thing to see. And it's so great to, to connect with these people and hear the stories. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, I think, well, I, I mean, the way biology evolution works is the environment does shape beings, right? Plants, animals, anything gets shaped by its environment, right? That's mm -hmm. how evolution works. Uh, you know, it was just up until humans, things didn't really think that much. So they, you know, now we have sort of like evolution of ideas. Uh, it's part of what humanity is, right? Uh, and ideas have been shaped consistently further into devolving, right? Uh, we do have substantially more quality of life. We have comfort for very little, right? That's what capitalism did. Um, but but we're starting to sort of get into pigeonholes, right? Where uh, the current system that we have has been gamed. So you didn't have a, a choice or an option. So you have to play the game, uh, you know, full on. Uh, what Bitcoin does is it gives you a way out uh, or at least like a, a step in and a step outside, right? So um, you can save um, without like inflation being robbed from you, right? So you can save uh, without permission. Uh, you, you can do all these things that were only reserved for people who are fairly wealthy, right? So um, 
so, I mean, one of the best examples is is what happens to like when ha when wars would happen, right? Uh, say in Europe between kingdoms and things. So if you're a wealthy family, right, an aristocratic family, uh, you had your land, you, you had your castle, and you had like your gold and your paintings on the walls, whatever. Say your side is losing, <laughs> right? What do you do? You pack all the stuff, right? Your gold, your paintings, everything, right? You move out, you go to some friendly country, right? You wait it out, war is over. It might take a couple of generations, but war is over. Your family goes back, makes a claim to the land, gets it back, because you know the aristocracy is always safe from you know the, those concerns, and then uh, you know you hang your paintings, you put your gold back in the bottom, and your in your family, your dynasty continues, right? Uh, that was simply never available to 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 the average person, right? And, and Bitcoin gives you that; it gives you a way out. You can you can vote with your feet as well. So, say say you know Canada goes you know, full stupid, right? Like they, they go, you know, they create some tax policy that's essentially unlivable anymore. And, and whatever policies they do for you is the thing that sort of crosses the line, right? Um, and you're not planning on coming back, right? What you do is you, you, you know, you remember your 24 words, you know, you go to the airport and you leave with your family, Right. And you go to a nice place that you think it's a little bit more aligned with your values. Right. And, and you set up there. And, and even if they have exit tax, you don't care. You're not coming back. Yeah. Right. So, so in, in, this, in this case, like the individual is sort of like safe, mobile. Uh, and I think this will be a huge, huge headache for the collectivists. Um, and, you know, if you're a socialist and you're into Bitcoin, you're. <laughs> You're doing this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, Bitcoin does allow you for you to buy a farm and have your buddies and have a collectivist farm. That's all cool. You know, you're free to do that. But, but you're not going to be able to, to force your values onto others because they're going to be able to move. Uh, and this mobility of capital for every single human on Earth is massive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the ability to to exit, to leave, to opt out with your wealth intact is completely unprecedented in, in world history. And as you said, you know, before it was exclusive to the aristocrats, but even there's many cases in history where even if you're wealthy, if you're on the wrong side of the political divide, yeah. then you, were, you, you couldn't do that. And you, 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 you may have been wealthy in one country and destitute in, in the country that you arrived in as a refugee, and you had to start over again. And that allowed you know, these oppressive regimes and governments to uh, you know, to have more staying power. But how much pressure does it put on, uh, on governments that are enacting oppressive policies when everyone has the ability to leave with their wealth intact? I mean, you know, I'm, I recently finished up The Sovereign Individual and had a, a little book club discussion on it. But, the, you know, this is one of the concepts it addresses. And it's only one piece of the, 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 the discussion. But just that ability to so easily opt out where you can't be uh, you know, pressured or coerced to stay in a system because of the leverage that might be uh, held over your head, puts so much pressure on you know, these institutions to act more responsibly. Yeah. Now that's- kind of, I, I mean, yeah. It, it, you know, it's, this is the problem with say income source deduction, right? It's like the most evil, cleverest policy ever created by bureaucrats, right? You what take is? the money- Income tax, you mean? Yeah, income tax, but it's source deduction, mm -hmm. right? 
why is it so clever, right? Like it's before you get paid, you get taxed, right? So right. people, the average person does not fully understand how the tax system works, or even if you do, it's out of sight, out of mind, right? Uh, what Bitcoin is going to do to the world is it's going to make taxes optional, forced optional. It's going to force every government to have optional taxes, right? Because again, people, people, uh, I'm not advocating for people to to commit tax fraud or anything like that, but people will. But people already do when they sell, you know, like some neighbor their TV, right? Do you think they claim that on their income tax? <laughs> of course not, right? Yeah. So what people would do is they, it would be very easy, and the incentive would be there for them not to claim everything, not to pay taxes, right? Uh, and, and that tax base that's already small in Canada is going to shrink and shrink and shrink, right? Uh, so what I think people are missing here is we can do this with war and with a lot of like tragedy, right? Because we're going to get there no matter what. Or we can do this with peace and, and, and with order and sort of like do it in a way that like you, you take the most amount of people with you and sort of like, you, you know, you do it with good, right? But, but we will go to a place where people cannot be uh, separated from their money anymore. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's truly fascinating. Have you given thought to, you know, because you're saying we can go the, the bad way or that we can go the good way. Have you given thought to how, um, you know, Bitcoiners as a group would, will be vilified or could be vilified in, you know, uh, in the upcoming years, you know, for one reason, because all the things you just articulated, that could, that could become very political, say, well, we don't have enough, enough tax revenue. We can't provide these services because all these nasty, you know, all these filthy Bitcoiners are do playing all these tricks on us. And then, you know, to add on to that, you've got the very individualistic attitudes of the Bitcoiners that in a very liberal society, you could, you could use to vilify. Oh, they like guns. Oh, they like hunting. Yep. Oh, they like, you know, oil. Or they like living away from the cities. They're bad people. Do you see, you know, the potential for that? I, I you know, um, like just look at uh, like American sort of like billionaires, right? Like Koch brothers or things like that, right? Like you look at how they're put as like this sort of, ultra evil people. I mean, I, 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 I don't know enough about them right. to know, and I'm sure people cause all kinds of shit, right? But, but it's just interesting that there is already a good example of how that's done, right? They already call like, you know, the rich don't pay their fair share. You know, there is already a lot of vilification of this stuff. The difference though is uh, in a Bitcoin system, when you have enough critical mass with enough means, right? It doesn't matter if you, if you, uh, if you vilify them, because they're either going to shoot their way out of it or they're going to move. Right. So especially when your wealth is not tied to land or physical things that you can't take with you. Right. Because they could have like, let's say you're in a country where the Bitcoiners don't have enough mass or enough political capital to protect themselves until they exit. Right. Um, they can still escape with with the money right uh they can send it without your permission uh so at least their kids or whatever will get to enjoy it right so um 
I, I think this is this is the part that a lot of um, people maybe don't get uh, if they're coming to Bitcoin from the outside, right? It's a this is you don't have a choice anymore with Bitcoin. It's like it's over for the collectivist side. It truly is, right? Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Gene from the Soho Forum that said once that uh, you know the best test for any ism, right, is what do you do with the people that don't want to participate, right? In in Bitcoin, it's like eh, I don't care if you don't want to have it. It's, you know, it's it's your choice, right? Uh, and, and this is the beauty of capitalism, really, right? It's like it's your choice not to work, but like. You know, it's also not my problem what happens to you. Um, we should strive to try to help people, charity, all the kinds of things, but nobody should be forced to do anything. Now, in all the other isms, right, to have any sort of collective sort of solution, right? Uh, nobody has a good answer, right? To what do you do to the person that doesn't participate in the tax schema, right? Uh, well, you're gonna have to jail them, right? Uh, so, so anyway, so I just find that interesting because Bitcoin really gives you the, the flip side of that. Uh, it, it's both voluntary for you to get in, but it's also involuntary for you to take it out. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. And just a, maybe a last point on the kind of ability to opt out and exit uh, theme. You know, it's such a mind bender to really think that, you know, you could because there's, there's a separation between you and your wealth always, right? You have your body and you have your mind and your health. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, one form of wealth. And that's something that people are, are generally uh, concerned about, or some people, I guess. And then you have, you look around and you say, ah, this is my stuff. This is my gold. This is my house, my couch, my TV, my bicycle, whatever. And now to have uh, kind of like the union of, of those two things, like now you can have a concentrated form of liquid tradable wealth that exists only in the e ether of your consciousness. Uh, and so for the first time to be able to have like all of that wrapped up in your physical person is, well, obviously a paradigm shift, but it's really kind of messed up to get around. Like you could sell everything you own and bundle it up into an infinitesimally concentrated piece of information that only exists in the fluid, you know, the fluidity of your consciousness. Um, now, of course, that's not best practices and you might want to manage it differently, but it's possible, right? Yeah. Story in your code card, please don't right. go around the brain wallets. It's not a good idea. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Brain wallets are only for extreme situations. Right. Okay? Of, of course. You generate your seed with dice in your little code card and keep your fucking money there. Don't go around with 24 words in your head because you're going to hit your head and you're going to forget. I totally endorse that message. But isn't it, isn't it crazy that now those two things can become one? Like you, you're, yeah, you're it's, to me, it's like, um, so we, we had a few very big paradigm shifts, right? Like, for example, separating church from state, mm. right? Um, like Bitcoin separates states from money, right? Like, well, it's kind of funny, but money was separated from states prior to that too. <laughs> Uh, it, it's uh, it, it truly is fascinating when you when the value is in your head. Yeah, it's, like Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin separates money and state, and it unifies person and money. Yeah, right, it like, does because that's what value is, right? Like your time is your ticking time to death, right? I mean, we're all dying, right? So uh, that time is an irreversible thing, right? That like we only all have so much. 
and, and and money is just stored time, right? It's stored. That's really what it is, right? It, when you have division of labor, you're just buying somebody else's time. So they perform the action so you can use that time for something else, right? Time is the only true scarce thing. What Bitcoin does is, is it manages to do that for value, right? So it's truly scarce. And, um, and, and so, so you, you can choose without permission how to deploy your time value capability, right? Your stored energy, right? Uh, it's, uh, it's part of your being now, like you said, right? Like in a more sort of like out there philosophical way, you could say like, yeah, I mean, like your value now is part of your being. And, and, and it all is just like with magic out of your hands. I know you're just a <laughs> make it happen, make it happen, right? Like uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, it, it's beautiful. Uh, uh, and, and I think people that, that are not into, into these ideals, right, of like true freedom, like absolute freedom, right, are going to have a real hard time in, in a world where the, the value producers have ultimate freedom, right? Because it's often the value producers who are the tax serfs, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's such a mind bender. And when you when you wind the clock forward and just kind of let your 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 cosmic brain like do a little thinking, like because of that nature, because of that unification, because that could possibly be in you, like it's not inconceivable that in the future you'll be able to speak value. Because like you know, Bitcoin mimics the scarcity of time, and that's the best way to preserve your surplus time and the, and the you yeah. know the best capsule for it but the fact that it's integrated into your mind like imagine a future date where you can you know value is something that can be spoken you know and, oh, and it already is right i mean technically it could be now sure but the but infrastructure think about it this way it, it it is it's just your your speech like money speech right in most countries right so uh, even that they have a hard time with that. So uh, to, to like block a lot of stuff because money is speech. So with, with Bitcoin, it's just, you know, the interface right now is the computer. Right. But, but you know, that is what we're doing, right? Most people have a mind held password or pin, right? So like to unlock that value, you still need your mind in one way or another. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's a paradigm shift and like how this plays out, we don't know. It's like, I think, I think like as Bitcoiners, we just have to like be shepherds or how this thing plays out the best as possible, right? Because we need to make this as easy as possible for ourselves too, even selfishly speaking, right? Um, we want the peace route, right? We don't want the war route. Uh, so uh, I, I think, um, I think that's why it's so important to play a little bit in the the, the political sort of like uh, uh, the political game, right? Uh, it's disgusting, uh, but you know it affects your life in an immediate form, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so if we want this sort of revolution to happen in any way that like is the least amount of pay, you know, like <laughs> we have to work with what we have. Yeah, and you know. To bring it back to, uh, you know, your, your specific background, I mean, you're obviously, uh, you're proof of that mentality, right? Because you're building these tools for people to interact with this uh, phenomenon or this system uh, in a secure manner and help them to make it easy for them to interact with this. Um, when you first got involved in this industry, 
did you like what 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 was the reason that you went down that road of saying like I want to create solutions to make this uh, easier for people to securely interact with this system? I, for me, it was very clear as it was the first transaction where right? it's like I, I just sent value from my computer to somebody else's computer. Like, but the value, the gold is in the computer. It was not an IOU debited somewhere else. None of that stuff, right? Because credit cards have been digital for a long time. Yeah. Right. No, no. It's like the value is in the computer. And I sent that value somewhere else without permission. That to me was like, holy shit. Right. Like, <laughs> this is insane. This is going to change everything. And I doubt it's going to really take off, but it's still interesting. And, and so we started making stuff for it. Right. Like payment terminals, try debit cards for it. it try, you know, we just. What was your background? Uh, like, what do you mean? Work like I've been, I've been education. working like tech startups and things. I have a couple arts degrees. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so your, your kind of tinkering thing was that yeah, it was prior to Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Why, why the solutions? So you had this Eureka moment, the light bulb moment with, with Bitcoin and, uh, how'd you end up going down the road you went down? Yeah. So. So uh, me and Peter, my business partner on CoinKite now for, Jesus, I don't know how long. I think CoinKite itself is going to probably be 10 years old next year. Wow. Uh, and uh, we, you know, we, we like making stuff. It's like I, there is something that always bothered me about like art in general is that oftentimes arts have no constraints, right? It, it, it's worthy go, it's fun, like people you know, it's like not a criticism of it. It's just a quality of it. Uh, and I personally love constraints, right? So making products for people that are like economically possible means you have to, you know, do things in a certain way. You have to work with manufacturing constraints and technology constraints and time constraints, right? And that, to, that puzzle to me is where the fun is, right? Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so, so, you know, like, that's what we like to do. We make stuff <laughs> and, and we try to give personality to the things we make. Right. And why, you know, the, the hardware wallet side of things and other things like that are, that's understandable. This is something people need to interact securely with, with their Bitcoin, but you've got a gorgeous block clock behind you. And I know the block clock mini is, is in development or is going to be out soon. Why, why these types of products? Is this just stuff you like to make and figure why the hell not? Or like, what's the motivation behind this stuff? Yeah. So I, I think this is the more sort of like artistic side sort of coming out of us, like sort of like this really technology and art thing is uh, there is something incredibly peaceful and sort of like almost like meditation about Bitcoin, which is around every 10 minutes, no matter what's happening in the world, a block comes out, right? It's, it's this epoch of time. Like, it, it's a fascinating thing. Totally. Like, it, it's like a, a 99.987 like whatever percent of uptime on Bitcoin. And, and it's just like there's this, this, this incredible ticking clock now that, that is uh, um, it's like human-made, right? Um, and like just, just looking at, say, you know, like the, the sun going around the sun, right? That's not, we had nothing to do with that. <laughs> we can all disappear 
time still going there, right? And, and the marker of time still going there. And, and Bitcoin has this very imperfect, uh, 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 so imperfect that's like it varies quite a bit when you think about variance there. It's like around 10 minutes, there's going to be this block that comes out, right? And, and is a, a, a truly sort of like uh, entropic hash there, right? So like it's a very random hash because it's whatever the block was. Uh, and I, I just, I wanted an object that sort of represented that, that I could look at it all day. I have like four block clocks in my office. Uh, uh, you know, there's like prototypes that are half broken, whatever. So like, yeah. it's, uh, it's, there's just something so awesome about staring at that. And I, and I wanted something that was really cool. And it was very sort of uh, technologically looking, right? Uh, without being a, a bar of soap, right? Like a lot of products nowadays are essentially bars of soap, right? You just and and then they polish them as much as possible, and and there is your product, right? Right. Uh, th these things are the opposite of that. You can see inside. Yeah, they look awesome. Uh, and the new one, so the 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 original is like four grand or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then what's the new one going to be costed at? Uh, let me see if I have one. Around here, one second. There you go. Ah. So, so this new one, uh, we, we the the goal of this one was to make it accessible, right? So it's like I think it's like three fifty, three sixty, something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like fairly cheap for what it is. So uh, it's uh, so this one is not powered on. This one is just a nice. another prototype, but um, it's essentially uh, you know e ink displays, and they're all individual instead of just making one big display. It's cheaper. Uh, you know, we, we wanted to to add some as the 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 watch industry calls them complications, right? Uh, and uh, so so that's sort of how this one works, and uh, and you can hang it in your wall. You can attach open dimes to them to show the balance. And what uh, are they connected to? Uh, it's gonna be Wi-Fi, right? Uh, Wi-Fi and uh, five volt battery. Sorry, five volt uh, um, power. Just on the subject of you know the roughly every ten minutes, uh, you know, Bitcoin blockchain has a, appends a new block. Uh, what do you think is the significance of having a globally uh, agreed upon time chain as you know the bitcoin blockchain represents mm -hmm. you know because as you said like prior to that we had the sun you know it would rise and rise and, and set every day at different times and throughout the year it would change but you know there there i can't think of many examples of such a globally you know, global uh, agreed upon ledger of of truth that kind of everybody abides by in the way that uh, they do with the Bitcoin blockchain. What do you think the significance of that is? Like, what's your it's paradigm shift cosmic right? juice on that? It's a it's a monumental change. I mean, this is like the first time in 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 human history that humans created a, a time system that's fully human made, right? Um, you know, we could change the block time for things, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the variance is, is reasonable enough that, you know, plus minus, we, we could change to that for many things. Um, and, and I, like the monumental achievement 
to get to consensus between humans who think completely differently uh, and, and using greed as sort of like the, the, the protector of that, because it, that's the insight there, right? Like, it's like humans are designed to want more, period. I mean, anybody who tells otherwise is out of their minds, right? Like, that's how animals work, right? We seek like energy, right? Like food. And we try to store as much as possible. That's why we get fat if we eat sugar, right? <laughs> because it's just too efficient. We created the most efficient way of taking energy in, right? So what Bitcoin does, it's like, it's just, it does that to money, right? So we created a very efficient money system and a very efficient way of storing that. And we aligned all that so we can all sort of agree. It's like the end of war, right? Because people who do commerce don't fight each other, right? Like it's, uh, it's in all of our interests now to be as peaceful with each other as possible. Uh, we, well, peaceful doesn't mean lack of ad adversary sort of conflict, right? It's not absent of conflict, but, but the type of conflict and the, the type of sort of like and all conflict it's very intricately linked now, right? In a way, there's a lot of deterrence, like, like atomic bombs did. You have all this deterrence now uh, for people to act out of rational interest. Um, it's just, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, I think about quite a bit, like anything we engage with, um, the nature of that thing is going to express itself more and more the, more, the more things we use it for. And so I think about some of the details of Bitcoin, you know, the 21 million hard cap, the block size, the, the difficulty uh, readjustment. And I try to imagine like, what's going to be the relevance of these things moving forward? Now we know, like, and specifically, like, right, like, now, with the hard cap, maybe there's not much of a difference if it was 18 or 21 or 25, ultimately, if that had how it had been. But what's going to be the significance in 10, 50, 100 years time of the 10 minute difficulty readjustment, right? Like, what's that going to mean for society when so much of, of society and economics and commerce is predicated on this thing that we're using? I don't have the answer to that, but I feel like it's going to be something. It's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be influential in some way. Like right now, it's just how it works, right? And we, that's how things get adjusted. But I don't so know. It, I think you can see it two ways, right? You can see it where that would rule a lot of things in life, right? We're going to have a lot of things around the Bitcoin block time mm -hmm. because that's how transactions between humans will settle, right? right? Uh, but you can also have layer twos and you're going to have sort of like trust minimized like layers of, of like other things happening that don't need the confirmation, right? It's all about size of value right in, in regards to to that um i don't know maybe everything gets abstracted right maybe maybe things get fairly abstracted and, and we're in a in a in a system where you know people it's, it's, the more you abstract something right the more trust you're giving to it mm -hmm. right so part of the reason why we we built cold card the way it is right uh, it, it's like it's easy but it's not stupid Right. So if I abstract more, the user is going to trust the UI is going to trust us more. It's going to have to, right? Because we are doing the hard stuff, so they don't have to understand it. Right. So for one, for maybe a smaller part of the population, but, but a much bigger one than it is now, um, they will seek 
that complication, right? They'll seek trying to understand these things because they'll seek trust minimization, right? But inherent to human condition is most people don't want responsibility and most people don't want to know anything, right? So I, I don't think the, the amount of people that get screwed today by the current system is going to be any different, like ratio-wise. It's going to be very similar. The difference between now and, and in the future, a Bitcoin future, is that you're going to have a choice and you're going to have opportunity to not get screwed. Right? The current system, even if you understand and you don't agree with it, you still don't have a choice. You still live in the dollar world. You're still going to get screwed with inflation. You're still going to get screwed by politicians. You're still going to, you have no choice, right? Unless you're part of the cantillionaire class, right? Yeah. Um, now, in a Bitcoin world, if you want to be stupid, you're still going to get screwed. There's still going to be centralized Bitcoin systems. They'll run away with your money or figure out some way of, of, of like robbing value from you somehow, right? And they're going to come up with very clever stuff, way more clever than the current system, right? Just look at the ICOs, right? It's some of that stuff is like these scams. I mean, they would have made Bernie uh, Madoff very, very proud. Uh, now, but, but with Bitcoin, it's like for the people that want to be free, that want to know, that want to not trust, it, it's available. Right. And that to me is it's like the whole value proposition here. It's just like you have a voluntary system for you to not be screwed. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and that's one of the, the whole abstraction piece is one of the things that I think about, because part of I referenced earlier, the kind of dramatic changes that a lot of people that I speak to report as a result of interacting with Bitcoin. And I think that's largely because they're interacting with it so deeply. Right. They're really getting into the weeds They're They're not. They're, they're, they're getting into the complexity and they want to, right? And they're finding that as a result of doing that, they're noticing very, you know, substantial changes in their perspective in other areas of their lives. And uh, so I think those are the people that will experience the greatest kind of Bitcoin will change them the most. And then the, the people that interact and use Bitcoin in the future, a future where more of the, the details of it, let's say, are abstracted away, I think the, you know, the behavioral impact on them will probably be slower and less extensive. But I still think you know, this insidious effect that the nature of the money in use has on people's behavior and how that shapes them as, as individuals in society um, still will have a pretty substantial effect, maybe slower and again, not as extreme. But I don't think we can get away from how the, the characteristics of the money we use and the things that it permits or prohibits influences our, our behavior and our interactions and how that shapes us, like we were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. So I still, even if it's abstracted away, I still think we, we see dramatic changes in behavior and society as a result of operating on, let's say, a Bitcoin standard. Oh, for sure, right? Because what Bitcoin is, is just a deflationary system, right? That's self-enforced. So a deflationary system creates savers, Right, and, and that changes society's time preference. Right, uh, and you know, if you have savers, you have people who care about the future. Right, it's like it's kind of like having kids. Right, like either either if you if you adopted them or or if you made them, like regardless. Right, it's like having children is having skin in the game in the future. Right, right. Everything else is just bullshit. Right, in, in regards to to the real future. Right, so. 
what this 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 thing what bitcoin does right what, what deflationary systems do is like give you that similar incentives to to your financials right uh to, to your financial future uh, and and it's it's funny right because like at least the 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 first bitcoiners or the most of the bitcoiners now i mean at least the the loud ones right it's like it's a lot of people who care about this stuff who seek this responsibility who seek like future sort of minded things right who who are less interested in the lambo right uh, uh even though i'm sure a lot of them could buy it um and and i mean like people who care about the future makes for a better world right like, it's like you can't ask for a better thing than than bitcoin really like yeah. you know i love the meme of bitcoin fixes everything it's just it's so true <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it just creates, like, if we're going to get there or not, that's a different problem, right? Mm -hmm. But at least it creates a set of incentives that that allows people to, to try something. Yeah. And look, like all this social unrest we're seeing in, in the States today, again, there's many reasons, many causative factors. But a big one is that a lot of these people don't see hope on the horizon. They don't see a better future ahead of them, right? And of course, you're going to be more willing to tear things down and whatever, if you don't see a good future ahead. And, and that's what's so great. And I had Reed Womack, he's the head of customer support at Swan Bitcoin, um, had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. And, and he said he was at dinner, you know, and half the people were not Bitcoiners and they were all kind of despondent about the state of things and they didn't see a bright future ahead and they were complaining about politics and all this stuff. And the other half were Bitcoiners and they were excited and they were hopeful and they were wanting to build stuff. And it's so true, you know, it dramatically shifts your perspective on, on what the future, uh, the, what, what the potential for the future could be, you know, if you align yourself with it properly. I mean, it creates certain optimism, right? Because if there is one thing we know almost for certain is that like there is an X block coming, right? <laughs> Seriously, the next block is going to be published, right? Yeah. Uh, and as long as a blocks is being published, right? Like, this experiment continues, right? Yeah. Regardless of the state of the world. So, so like it's in our interest to make the world better so we can live in it. <laughs> yeah, I, li I like to refer to that process in Bitcoin as a heartbeat of existential comfort. You know, that's just, right. it's every block comes through. Okay, let's like things, let's keep going. Things are still here. Things are still working. Let's keep pushing. Um, very important question to ask you, changing things up a little bit. But um, are you familiar with Open Dime Dick? Oh yes, I, I, I've I've seen the meme. I I, I was I was actually impressed uh, that uh, I, I mean I've seen Open Dime memes now. It's been almost like I don't know four years. Uh, is it four years or five years for Open Dime? I can't remember now. But uh, the like the the memes for Bitcoin for for Open Dime are always uh, are always very creative. Well, open Dime uh, is now being used as a, a mating, like as a improving your natural selection for mating. Like I, you, you put an open dime on your dick, and like you're increasing your chances of of, of procreating. You know, of I, I mean, it, it really, it's gonna self-select for <laughs> for size ratio there. You know, like uh, because an open dime is a measurable device, right? I mean, you can totally That's create a too. reference. So, so those uh, those fake selfies where you know the angle uh, was not ideal there. Uh, you know, it's it's gonna be a problem. So you're signaling <laughs> that too, yeah. It's it's the perfect it's the perfect thing for a Tinder if you're if you've got the. If you've got I, the, I find uh, it really cool because like, 
open diamonds really created so so that people could could make like a, a, um, a immediate private transactions right so you don't have to wait for confirmations right because it just you it's a it's just a different transport for utxo right yeah. just like lightning uh you just have another means of of giving the utxo to somebody else um and and open diamond itself it has no trace right so if you do 10 people pass between each other there's zero digital trace mm-hmm. um so uh it, it's it's kind of funny to see how that manifests itself in in sort of like in Bitcoin culture, right? Like, uh, it, it's a uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just happy we moved from the prison purse uh, meme. Ah, uh, yeah. So that was that was Jen Seth's original claim one. to fame. You know, like uh, we rounded the corners for a reason. Um, <laughs> so now it has moved into to dating. It's a little bit more uh, more like less less on your face meme <laughs> literally um so i heard you uh you you tripped up on twitter a couple of days ago saying that you were thinking about starting a podcast what um what's the inspiration behind that i it's like uh i i don't know it's just fun talking to people like it's just uh it's a it's a fun thing and uh and, and it's very hard to talk to people, even when you have like the means and the access to talk to people for two hours, like uninterrupted, there is something about recording conversations that, that creates that sort of very sheltered means of a conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of like, you know, normally with like your, your life partner kind of thing, when you go for a walk, right? Like it's a lot easier to have a conversation with each other walking than it is sitting in your living room with phones and kids and crap like that, right? So um, there is just something about the the recorded conversation format that's that's I don't know is is very appealing to me. Uh, and then you know like it's just fun to use it as an excuse to to get people <laughs> to do it to have conversations. Um, there's not a lot more to it. <laughs> what kind of things like? What kind of things would you would you be wanting to talk about? Uh, I think like you know I am a Bitcoiner, right? So uh, talking about Bitcoin things, it's it's fun. But you know, like it's like culture, philosophy, or I, I don't know, like cooking. Um, it's like it's just uh, there is people out there that have something interesting to say, right? And especially in a conversation sort of medium, right? Not as a monologue or whatever. So. In this in this sort of conversation medium, it's just it seems appealing. I I, I you know I literally thought of that like I, I tweeted that sort of like just I thought of that maybe I should just you know I just put it out there and see uh, and see if I get some interesting pros and cons. So what's what's the call? Are you gonna do it? I I don't know yet. I I haven't. Uh, so I was trying to think. So who were like the first ten people and and you know that I get talk to and and is it really daunting to just think about like who should i talk to i'm sure like after you talk to a few is you know it changes the dynamic but just the daunting process of just thinking about 10 people to talk to i'm already like oh holy shit um (laughs) it's anyways uh well like i said at the time i think you should do it it's um like anytime anyone feels like they want to get up and like it's mostly scratching your own itch, right? I mean, there's, yeah, a, totally. there's a bajillion podcasts. There's even a bajillion Bitcoin podcasts at this point. And uh, you know, so I think if you're doing it for reasons of, I don't know, like 
if you have other reasons than other just scratching your own itch, then maybe there's more considerations. But if you're just like, I want to, I want to jam with interesting people. I want to carve out some time for these conversations and fuck yeah, do it. I mean, why not? That's uh, yeah. I mean, that, that was the thought. I mean, I, you know, if there is one thing that came out of COVID, uh, was the I started having the Zoom conversations with like Bitcoiners, right? Where we would get like two, three, four, five people, somewhere a little bit bigger, and 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 I I call them off the record, right? Uh, so people could sort of talk, right? Yeah, yeah. And they they're great. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It's very energizing. You know, just just talk to people who, who have interesting stuff to say. They either agree, disagree, whatever, but just talk. Right. Uh, and, and, uh, I, I figured, you know, if I could bring some of that to just do that, you know, with other people that I may not like have thought of. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find, um, as soon as you like, it takes a, a bit of, uh, getting used to, to be as natural when you press record, than when like you're doing those private conversations. But what I've had a bunch of those recently too. And what I always do is I still record them. Like I ask the people if I can record them, uh, but I record them from my personal archives. Cause like not everything can be published and I understand that, right? And some, some conversations you wanna have private, but just like we're in such a, a crazy historical moment right now, in my opinion, and I think you would probably agree. And if we're right about all of this and we really are in the moment that we think we're in, then 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, things are going to look dramatically different. Or at the very least, we're going to look back on this time, whether we were like massively, hilariously wrong or massively right, we're going to look back on this time and think this was a pretty interesting, cool time. And I want to look back and sit around with all my Bitcoin homies 20 years from now and listen to these conversations that we didn't publish at the time, but was just between right. ourselves, right? How fun would that be? You know, you're sitting around. No, it, yeah, it, it is pretty cool. I, I mean, um, it, it's kind of like, a, you know, when Rogan has interesting guests, I, I can't do like when the comedians go on because nobody's funny. Like I just <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> uh, and, but but sometimes like like that format, I think he really sort of like, can, you know, sort of. I wouldn't say invented, but like improved in a way that was very compelling to me. It's like this sort of like almost exhausting, uh, uh, like two, three hours with, a, with another human, right? Like where so like you offload a lot of different stuff, right? And, and you discuss some of them, you skip some stuff, but like, but there, there is something very valuable about two people sort of exhausting it out, a topic, yeah. right? It gets uh, they both fully understand each other, right? Like, and and it's very rare moments in like modern life where you get to do that, right? Um, especially when you have more people too, right? So, what we do here in Toronto is, uh, uh, I will often have like a dinner with like a few Bitcoiners, so like two, three, four. The problem is when you change the dynamic from from two people to three people. Now you have a, like a consensus issue there, right? Like it's not just a back and forth anymore. So, so you lose a lot of nuance and a lot of content. You gain other things, but, but it's a different dynamic, right? Yeah. And, and just anyway, so just two people sort of exhausting out something is, is really cool. Yeah. And, it's, and to be honest, like Rogan's setup, because in-person is way better. You know, I, I've done a couple of these in-person over, over yeah. the years. 
And as great as this is, you know, it's awesome to connect. And, you know, this is the only choice we have uh, at the moment, especially. But uh, there's nothing like sitting down in front of someone for two, three hours. And not only do you leave usually with like a friend, even if it's just yeah. kind of like a mild friend, but oftentimes like a, probably a pretty good friend. But just the, the way you're able to interact and the nature of the discussion, that's what's so compelling about his thing, right? Like you feel like you're just a fly on the wall for this like very yes. uh, natural conversation that he's having just feeding his own curiosity. And I think that's what it should be about. You know, if you try to if you think like, oh, how should I interview this person? It's going to be shit, right? You yes. got to be, you got to be there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you. I'm not looking for an interview show, right? It's like, you have to give like people who are listening some sense of who the person is, exactly. right? Yeah. That, that you're talking to. But at the end of the day, is my very selfish conversation with the person. You're sharing your perspective. That's kind of what it's all about, right? Yeah. You know, people are able to see your perspective through the questions and the, the inquiry that you're following. Um. Man, this has been super fun. Uh, I, uh, I want to be re respectful of your time. I'm sure you got lots to be, be up to. What, uh, if anything, do you have uh, to you know, direct people towards or any, any closing thoughts before we shut this thing down? No, I mean, like, I think we, we've, we've talked uh, like the, 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 some of the, the, the fun, more philosophical part of Bitcoin. And uh, um, I, yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, if you want to find me, people know where to find me in Vicky on Twitter and, you know, go buy my stuff. Uh, <laughs> and, seriously, you know. Um, Any and, exciting stuff in the works? Yeah, I mean, you know, we have we have more hardware coming uh, for like different stuff, right? So we're creating a new device, two new devices, aside from the Block Clock Mini um, that uh, that you know, like there's going to be like a, another sort of cold card kind of thing. It's going to be a little bit different, different sets of preferences and different sets of like trade-offs. And, uh, and there is also a possible sort of like a reusable open dimes a bit more expensive, but it has screen and stuff. It, it, some of this stuff, like we normally don't, don't really talk about stuff too much publicly until we know we're going to be shipping at some point. You know, these things are fairly forward in the R&D, but, uh, but they're not ready to, uh, to be pushed out. Right. Well, man, I, uh, I appreciate all the work you and the team over there do uh, in the space. And uh, it's been really nice to finally connect with you and, and have a chat. I'm sure we'll, we'll have another one in the future, hopefully in meat space around a big pile of meat, maybe at a, a Brazilian, uh, what are they called again? The Brazilian barbecue? Uh, Bra yeah. Brazilian barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen. So, uh, you, you know, when you're if you're flying back to uh, to Thailand, is it Thailand you said? I can't. Yeah, remember. Yeah, Thailand, yeah. Yeah. If you're flying back to Thailand, you're likely going to do a connection in Toronto, right? So, uh, uh, you know, stay a few days here or go out for dinner. It's uh, we do that with a lot of Bitcoiners. It's it's a lot of fun. Man, I'd love that. Once uh, once things open up again, I'll uh, I'll hit you up and let you know when I'm swinging through. We'll we'll get together for some meat and a few drinks. Good stuff. All right, brother. All the best. Take care. Thanks for having me. See ya. Let's go.